0: Amen. So Philippians 1 verse 27, this is a, a, a launch out verse, but just to show you uh, God's idea for the church being in one accord, one accord is, is, is a prevailing thought in the Bible, in the epistles, but verse 27, it says, only let your conversation, that's, the, that's your life, your, the way that you live speaks to others, right? It's not just talking about the words you say, because anybody can say buzzwords, but he's talking about the way that you live. It doesn't do you any good to tell anybody, God bless you if you trip them. And you know what I'm talking about, right? It doesn't do any good to, to use the church lingo if you're going to stab people in the back and, and run around and knock people down and different things like this. So the conversation of your life, only let your conversation be as it become the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. Now stop, hold right there. You understand what he's saying? He's saying y- you, you should live the Christian life, not just speak the Christian words. And don't be different when I'm present and when I'm not. How many of y'all can can relate to that? How many of y'all know people that are a different, they're different when you're around and when you're not around? Right? We used to call them two-faced, right? Well, Paul, Paul's basically telling them, don't be two-faced. Don't be, you know, when, when, when the apostle walks in the door, everybody, you know? But when the apostle's not there, then everybody goes back to being in disaccord and in disarray. And he's saying, don't be different whether I'm there or not. It shouldn't matter, amen? You know, I praise God like on Monday night, Monday night prayer. I think that was the second Monday, maybe the third Monday night prayer I've missed in the last 3 4 years. I had to work late. And I praise God, I didn't have to worry about the church. Amen. Amen. Whether I'm here or not, the church is going to continue on. Amen. You know, you know who the church depends on? The Lord. Amen. Not on not on any one person but on the Lord. Amen. Amen. Okay, Um, so whether he comes and sees you or is absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand, here we go, fast, and that means secure, in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now, so the, the idea is that the church would hold together in spirit and in mind for the faith of the gospel, that we don't let any division happen. You know, one of the things that the apostle got on the Corinthian church for was that they had so many different divisions. I got baptized of Cephas. I got baptized of Paul. I got baptized of this. And, and Paul got on to them about that because they were allowing divisions in the church. Amen? And so one of the things, um, whenever you, whenever a church, I've heard it said that every time a church You know, you get four or five people in a living room, and they decide they're going to start a church. I heard it said that every time a church has ever been started, the enemy starts it with them. And he tries to sow what? He tries to sow tares in the wheat. Immediately, the enemy comes to sow tares at the very beginning. You you remember that? It was when the seeds were planted that the enemy came and planted too. And so, a lot of times, the enemy will come and work through people that aren't living right. Amen? And and so, what we've got to do is we've got to, number one, we've got to be able to identify characteristics of the enemy. But secondly, we've got to handle our problems the right way. We've got to handle our problems the right way. Because everybody's handled problems the wrong way. But it's, it's incumbent upon us to handle them the right way. Now, with that said, let's go over there to Matthew chapter number 18, like I said at the beginning. Matthew chapter number 18, this is the, the foundational system about how to handle conflict in the church. You're not going to get any more basic, any more fundamental, and it comes from the Lord himself. And one of the things that we need to recognize is that it's the absence of conflict the absence of conflict doesn't mean conflict isn't there. It means you're not seeing it because it's always there, because the enemy's always at work. Amen? Amen. Now, the enemy may be dormant for a while. I've heard it said this, too, that if you're preaching the cross, if you're preaching the kingdom of God, the, the enemy will rear up. But if you're preaching, um, you know, uh, fortune cookie sermons, you know what I mean? You're going to make it, you're going to make it, turn to your neighbor, tell them you're going to make it, you're going to make it,'re going Well, that's what your soul, that's what your soulish man wants to hear, right? But your spirit needs the word of God. Your spirit man needs the word of God. And so you know the, if you're preaching the cross or you're preaching the kingdom of God, the enemy's going to rear up. but if you're preaching those, those fortune cookie kind of messages, enemy is okay. You just keep having a carnival, high-five yourself all the way to hell. Doesn't bother him one bit until you start preaching the truth. And that's when the enemy starts going to work, but he's always there. So just because you don't see conflict doesn't mean it's not there. So some people say, well, we haven't had conflict in a while. Well, that means you're not preaching. Because if once you start living right, the enemy's going to come after you. You know that yourself. You, you, you make up in your mind that you're going to read five chapters of the Bible tomorrow and you're going to pray for an hour and you watch what happens. You, and, but you get focused, you know, your mind like a flint and you do it, watch what happens the next day. Things are going to just happen. Amen? The enemy knows how to push. And he's not going to come outright. He just tries to overwhelm you. He tries to overwhelm you. He tries to discourage you. So um, what we see here is this conflict that happens in Matthew chapter 18. Look at verse number 15. It says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. That's a play on the Old Testament because you couldn't accuse somebody just yourself. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Now, I'm going to stop right here and just kind of break this down for a minute. The the Lord says, um, brother, if thy brother, so we're talking about in the house of God. We're not talking about somebody who's not saved. Somebody who's not saved, we expect them to act like they're not saved. Come on now. Don't expect somebody that's not saved to be godly, don't expect somebody that's not saved to have the fruit of the Spirit love joy peace gentleness goodness kindness patience you know don't expect somebody that's not saved to exhibit the fruit of the spirit it, but if they're saved you should have an expectation in that brother's life it says if that brother right so you're talking about another believer another believer but first thing is first thing is privacy that's the first step if if there's an issue that arises if, if somebody comes up to you and, you, you know, you, you find out that they've been talking bad about you all around town, you don't go talk bad about them all around town. You go to the person in private, in private. It says alone. Go to them alone. So you go to that person one-on-one. Now, that takes courage. That takes courage. But the, you know the best way to get a splinter out is not to put a Band-Aid on it. It's not to cover it up. It's to get the tweezers, go straight to it, and pull it out. And sometimes you've got to have courage. You've got to have that gumption about you to say, look, is this true? Now, love thinks no ill, right? And love hopes for the best. Love's hopes are faithless. So whenever I hear that somebody's talking bad about me, I always say, well, surely they didn't mean it like that. Or surely they didn't say it like that, right? I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. But I'm going to go to them and say, hey, is this true? You know, that this, this, this. That's called taking it to the person. Amen? Now, one of the things that the enemy wants to do is he wants to get involved in our, in our churches or in our homes. The quickest way he does it is through murmuring, backbiting, or gossiping. This is one of the ways that he destroyed the nation of Israel in, 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 uh, in the desert through murmuring whenever they were complaining about everything well you you know they didn't tell it to Moses's face but behind his back they said he he don't know where he's taking us it'd be better if we were back over there in Egypt but they didn't have the gumption about themselves to tell it to his face right and that's why God got upset this is murmuring this is starting a fire well here's the thing about murmuring and gossip okay you're not going to gossip to the wall you know who you're going to gossip to? What I call it is you're going to gossip to gasoline, somebody's ear. Because in order for your gossip fire to continue going, you got to have somebody ear, right? So if somebody starts gossiping to you, you say, look, I don't want to hear that. You know what it does? It, it takes it immediately from 100 down to 0. Immediately from 100 down to zero because you've done the right thing. And if, if that gossiper doesn't have an ear to talk to, they'll get convicted real quick, real quick. In fact, in fact, if you have the bravery to tell somebody, I don't want to hear you talk bad about somebody, if you're brave enough to do that, they're probably going to get mad at you. They're probably going to, they're, and they're probably going to say, well, I wasn't talking bad about them. That's not how I'm in it, right? You tell somebody, you know, I, I I perceive that you know you're doing this, you're doing that, or whatever. They're gonna get mad. They're gonna get mad. It's gonna strike a wrong chord because most of the time people aren't gonna say, you know what, you're right. We shouldn't be talking about brother so and so or sister so. They're gonna say, I didn't mean it like that. That's not what I said, you know. Or they'll say, well, don't tell nobody. <laughs> Well, what is that? That's putting more pressure on you. Yes. Yes, that's a good answer. A lot of times, though, a lot of times people will have, uh, now it doesn't happen here, but I've heard other pastors talk about how um, prayer meetings turn into gossip sessions. Oh, we need to pray for sister so-and-so because, you know, she's been, Um, hanging around brother so-and-so for two yeah I saw her you see what I'm saying that they turn into that kind of stuff now that doesn't happen here but it does happen doesn't it they, they, they they do they really do so you know you see this first step is going straight to the person not allowing the gossip and the murmuring to continue to fester Because that's one of the things that the enemy wants to do is to keep, and what it does is it drives a wedge between you and the other person. Let's say you know person A and person B have a a offense. If person A comes to you about it, it's going to cause you to pick sides. And what the enemy's doing is he's separating the church members. He's separating the church members. He's bringing division because now you and you know this guy's sorry. Right? That's what the enemy does. Here's one of the ways that it happens in churches. Um, and I've, I've found this to be very true. We're going to have a home Bible study, but we're only going to invite two, three people. And we're not going to tell nobody else about it. You know what that's going to turn into? That's going to turn into tearing somebody down. Here's the thing that I have found If somebody wants to have a home Bible study, that's great. We encourage that. But if you're selective about who you invite to it and you don't tell everybody else about it, you don't make it available to everybody, what that shows is you've got ill intentions. Your intentions aren't to learn the Word of God. Your intentions aren't to edify the body. And it's I've seen it happen before. I've I've seen somebody um, in a church pull two, three people over to the side, whisper to them, You know, okay, yeah, we'll go, but not invite anybody else, right? So if this is all on the up and up, why don't we put it on the bulletin board, right? If it's a Bible study, let's put it on the bulletin board because what it is is we want to get alone together so we can run some folks down but do it under the name of a Bible study. So these are some of the ways that these things happen in a church. This is some of the ways, and it, it, on the, it has the appearance of it's all on the up and up. But if you're on the receiving end of it, you know better. Amen. How many of y'all been on the receiving end of that kind of stuff? Yeah? It's not fun, is it? It's not fun. One of the things that we have to do as the body of Christ is we've got to recognize that our actions, our actions have a direct impact on other people's lives. That's why I started with Philippians 1, because we're supposed to be one mind, one spirit, one body. We we should recognize, you know what? If I only invite brothers and sisters so-and-so, then brother or sister so-and-so may get offended, right? I need to think about other people, not just myself. And that's one of the most important things that we've got to get right as the body of Christ, because here's a truth. When you get hurt in the church, it's unlike getting hurt in the world. Because in the world, you expect them to run over you. In the church, you think people are for you. But when they turn out to not be for you, it really does a number on a saint's heart. Um, That's probably one of the biggest uh, challenges I've had in ministry is, is realizing that not everybody is who they say they are. Not everybody is who they say they are. Some people will, to your face, tell you that, you know, you're a great preacher, we love you, we love you, and then you find out they're doing all kinds of stuff that, you know, just shock you, right, to tear you down. Well, here's, here's the thing. Number one is gossip. The way to prevent gossip is to go straight to the person, right? Because, look, if they gossiped about you yesterday, you can't change that. You can't go back in time and, and make them not gossip yesterday, so the quickest thing to do, if, just think about if, if, if um, spiritualize it or, or just think about the person having, you know, fire on their tongue, okay? The quickest way to do it, take go straight to them. Don't let it fester. Go straight to them because they've got something that's got to get extinguished, right? You've got to get the problem extinguished. So you, that's why the Lord says, go to this person, go alone, Right? And if they won't hear you, what are you supposed to do? Take two or three. Take two or three. Take two or three. So the next step is if they, if they won't hear you, you take two or three. Now, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I've, we've had, I don't know, in five years, probably four times that I've had to exercise this. And I'll tell you that every single time it never got to step two. Never got to step two. One time, the person repented. The other times, how dare you and walk out the door. But it never got to step two. Never, I've I've yet to see it. I've talked to other pastor friends. I've talked to my pastor. Never got to step two. It it always. I mean, I'm sure it. It. it I'm sure there's times when it's needed, but. Every pastor I've talked to and even in my own life, what I've seen is I've never seen it get there because in step one, the people either show their self or if they're right with God, they'll repent, right? And one time, it wasn't what it seemed. The person had, you know, a misunderstanding. But these things happen. Whenever you get more than one person in a room, you're bound to have an issue, amen? Amen? You get more than one person in a room, you're bound to have an issue. Even somebody you like. Even in a marriage, you know. I thought you were going to cook. I didn't say I was. Well, you said you. You get more than one person in a room, issues will arise. It's how you handle the issues that separates you as the body of Christ. The Lord tells us explicitly how to handle these issues. So the first step is you're, you're cutting off gossip by going to them. And one of the things that that happens is um, that you've got to watch out for is that you don't, in turn, gossip about them. You don't want to ruin their character. Amen? You know, uh, John Bevere, um, he wrote a book called The Bait of Satan. And the whole premise of the book is that offenses are a a trap that Satan puts out in front of every person. And if you'll take that trap of getting offended, Satan will put you down and keep you down. You will not be the person of God that God made you to be if you're going to harbor, here's your word, bitterness. You're not going to be able to harbor bitterness towards any saint of God and grow in godliness. You can't serve two masters. You can't have light and dark. You're not going to have bitterness and holiness in the same heart. So, the thing is, is whenever we get offended about something, you know, is to go to that person. Go to that person. If How many of y'all have ever been offended before? Yeah? Now, I'm not talking about the 2018 kind of offended, right? Where everybody gets offended about everything. I saw they were getting offended about some Christmas song. I don't even know what it was, but... But, you know, people are getting offended about everything. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, I'm talking about when somebody does you wrong. When somebody does you wrong. And if you live more than a day, somebody's going to do you wrong. It's how you handle the situation. If you allow it to continue on unfettered, unchallenged, it's going to grow either through gossip or resentment or bitterness or you're going to end up running their character down yes yeah that's exactly right yep if somebody wants to talk to you about sister so-and-so just say well hold on let's go to her let's just stop right now let's or if she's not there let's say hey let's call her and put her on speakerphone. let's settle this right now let's you know did you know that sister so-and-so is seeing brother so-and-so did you know sister so-and-so seeing brother so-and-so Oh really? Well, let's call her up and ask her. Oh no 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 no! Don't do that because she doesn't know. No no no! Let's 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 make sure it's, this isn't gossip, right? Because we don't want to slander somebody. You know who the slanderer is, right? That's the devil. He slanders. He 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 throws accusations. He's the accuser of the brethren. That's his name. Did you know, sister so and so, and brother so and so? It's what the accuser of the brethren wants. He wants us to accuse one another. Amen. And what does Jesus want us to do? Forgive one another. Forgive one Amen. Amen. That's a good rule of thumb. Good rule of thumb. Is the conversation lifting them up or tearing them down? You know, because if, 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 if the conversation is about tearing somebody down, you don't want to be a part of it because it'll damage your it'll damage your walk. You'll have to repent of it at some time if you want to grow. So if somebody's you know casting stones at someone with their words, right? They're 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 the sorriest thing. They're never you know, and you're in there listening to it and you're not refuting it and all that. It's 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 like a dark cloud will harbor over your heart. You know, it, it just, you'll feel whenever you pray, you'll just feel like you're not where you need to be. Well, that's something that you're going to have to repent of. And so the best thing is, like you said, is, is the conversation lifting them up or is it tearing them down? That's a good rule of thumb to, to, to live by. Um, so let me just, let me just cover this and I got, I, we're not going to make it all the way through, but let me just cover this and we're, we're going to go to Luke 17. Look at this. If the, if the person who has offended you won't listen to you, right? And then you take the two or three, if they don't listen to them, what are you supposed to do? Bring them before the church. How many of y'all have ever seen somebody brought before the church? Would you raise your hand? Two of y'all? Three of y'all. Three of y'all. Is that fun? It's not fun. It's not fun. Um, but that is what Jesus says to do. That is what Jesus says to do. Um, and I'm going to get into, in 1 Corinthians 5, how to do it. Okay? That's where we're going to see how to do it. Because you can even do that the wrong way. I, you, you know, if, the, if certain family in the church doesn't want another family in the church, they can run this whole thing and do it in the wrong heart. And do it in the wrong spirit. And that goes back to like I said earlier. Church hurt is like no other. And, and you know just because it says a church on the front door. It could be a family running it. Not the Lord running it. And if you walk in the wrong doors. And it's the wrong family. They're going to eat you up and spit you out. So you've got to be mindful of these things. And these are, these are important things that we've got to know as the body of Christ. These things just aren't taught that much. Just not taught that much. Nobody likes to talk about this, but we've got to know how to handle conflict. You know, that's one of the uh, things about the military. Uh, Now, I'm not military, but military is always about training, always about training, different scenarios. Because why? Because in the heat of the battle, they don't want you to think. They want you to react, right? It's just a reaction, how you respond, because you've been trained properly, right? You know what to do because you've been trained. And And so with... With us, we should in the same way know how we're going to respond whenever these issues arise. Because if, if we don't, if we're not trained in these things, you know, the enemy's very, very good at sinking boats. Very good at sinking boats and causing heartache in the church. Causing heartache in the church. Um, you know, if you've ever been on the receiving end of a gossip session, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so I, you know what? That was one thing that I told my pastor. I said, "You didn't tell me about that." You know, he said, "Well, some things you got to find out on your own." You know, you walk around with knives in your back all the time. Um, okay, let's go to Luke 17. Oh, wait. Let me. Let me. Uh, sh- after you. After the church hears them, it says, "Let them be unto you as what a publican, right?" So, so you're not just coming up and 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 just. You know, doing this thing, it they're actually putting them out of the church, right? And this is coming from Jesus. Well, Jesus said, you know, don't, don't you're supposed to be meek and mild, and you know all this stuff. Well, yes, yes to the person who is repentant, yes to the person who wants to change, yes to the to come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, yes. When you realize the burden's more than you can bear, yes, he is gracious. But when you rise up with a religious spirit and you're not repentant and you're allowing the enemy to use you, he will bring upon you the law. Look look how he treated, you know, the the people that were the know-it-alls, he gave them more law than they could handle, right? But to the sinners, he gave them more grace than they ever imagined, amen? So good, he's so good, he's so good. Okay, Luke 17. Let's look at this real quick. And, and on this one, I'm going to move quickly because I want to get into 1 Corinthians 5. Luke 17, because I heard somebody say something in my heart. I just heard you. I heard you. i talking about offended. I, you know what? I'm past all that. Nobody offends me no more, right? Look what, what, again, Jesus says. Verse 1. Then said he unto the disciples. So he's saying this to men of God, right? These aren't just flaky kind of new Christians. Then said he unto the disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It is impossible, but that offenses will come. It doesn't matter where you go to church or who you're around. Somebody's going to do you wrong. Somebody's going to let you down. Somebody's going to do something. It's impossible, but that offenses will come. Amen? That's what he said. So it's, it's not how do we avoid offenses. The presentation tonight is not how to avoid offenses because it's impossible, but that offenses will come. So the question is not how do you avoid offenses? The question is how do you handle offenses? That's the question. That's what will change your life. Once you realize it's how you handle the situation, not avoiding it, but how you handle it, It'll change. It'll revolutionize everything. Now watch this. Verse 2. It'll, it's better for him that a millstone were hanged around his neck. He cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. Now here's the deal. Verse 2 was about the person who did the offending, Right? If you're the person who's gossiping and murmuring and slandering everybody, verse 2 is for you. It's better that a millstone be tied around your neck. If you've ever seen a picture, look, look that up sometime in your Bible studies. You're not, you're not coming up for air if a millstone's around your neck. But verse 3 is for the person who's been talked about. Verse 3 is the person who's been run down. Verse 3 is the person who's been overlooked or hurt. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother trespass against you, rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. And then he goes on to tell you how many times to forgive him, right? So what are you supposed to do if somebody does you wrong? He He says rebuke him, right? But what you're doing is you're doing exactly what he said in Matthew chapter 18. You're going to that person. This, this corresponds perfectly with what the Lord taught in Matthew chapter 18 is that you go to the person. You don't talk about them. You don't plot their revenge. You don't plot revenge on them. You don't, you know, look them up and down and figure out how you can trip them and embarrass them since they embarrassed you. You don't, none of that. You go to the person. Say, look that hurt that hurt you hurt me when you did this and if if he repents forgive him forgive him forgive him how forgive him how huh release it to god remember the lord's prayer lord forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who what Yeah. You know how many people want God to forgive them, but they're unwilling to forgive others? And right there in the most famous prayer in the Bible, in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So if we're not willing to forgive others, well, you don't realize what they did. It doesn't matter. You don't realize what you did to God. Come on now. God's holy, 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 and you sinned against him, and he's willing to forgive you, and you're going to hold a grudge against somebody that you've probably had bad thoughts about anyways? God's never had a bad thought about you. God's loved you from the beginning. Yes. Yeah, and he was called a wicked servant, right? He was called a wicked servant because he was forgiven, but yet he wouldn't forgive others. That's exactly the right parable in that situation. And and I've seen this happen before. I've seen it happen before. I've, I've seen, you know, somebody, you know, an issue come up, right? And they were, I'm so sorry, it'll never happen again. And then you see them messing around with other people, right? Causing issues. Causing issues. Okay. Um, with that said, I wanted to show you that because it, it corresponds perfectly with matthew 18 right and and secondly the second reason i wanted to show you that is because if you think this doesn't apply to you the lord says it's impossible but that it applies to you your job is to take heed to yourself now the the word and i've taught this before just real briefly the word take heed it it actually in the greek is a picture of a boat returning to harbor so the image in your mind is when you get offended how many of y'all know what it's like to have a temper? Is it just me? Because, you know, you got a temper. Well, when you get a temper, it's like that boat just launches, right? All you're seeing is red, and you're ready to get a hammer and, you know, knock somebody in the head, right? But when the Lord says, take heed, the picture is the boat returning to harbor. So what he's saying is to get a hold of yourself. Get a hold of yourself and stop handling this in your flesh. Handle it in the spirit. Everybody else in the world's gonna handle it with a hammer, but God's calling us to handle it with love. It's impossible, but that offenses will come. Take heed to yourself in how you handle being offended. Amen. Yes. Amen. Yeah, that's and see that's one of the things um you're exactly right but i you know you see this with kids like we see this with our kids tell them you're sorry no tell them you're sorry and then you know you know it wasn't you know but you're trying to teach them right you know that's how some of us are that's how some of us are it's you know there's times that that um you know if you think about certain things if you think about certain things you'll start getting bitter over it again You could have cast it in the sea of forgetfulness, put it on the altar, but if you start thinking about it and dwelling on it again, you'll start getting bitter all over again. Something you done, put down years and years ago. Exactly. That's his job. He's the accuser. He's the slanderer. But you've got to keep saying no. I've, I let it go. I forgave them. It's over. It's done. Just like you said, when you have that kind of an attitude, it's a lot easier when the enemy starts trying to resurface that issue. You know, there's, um, you know, there's different situations that I've been in where, you know, you find out uh, somebody's, you know, running you down or whatever. Well, you know, one of the situations I've gone to the person right. They didn't repent, but I let it go. I said, look, I forgive you of it. I'm done with it. I don't want to hold it no more. That's between you and God, right? But I promise you, to this day, if I start thinking about it, I'll start, I'll start getting upset again. I've got to stay with that. Just like you said, I've got to stay in that place where I've got to love them as a brother. Let them handle that with the Lord. It's too hot for me to hold. Amen? because I know what will happen if I start thinking on it. I didn't do anything to deserve that. I, I mean, what I was do. I never did anything to them. And I'm going to start getting all right back riled up again. And it's going to take me right around that same mountain. I've done gone around seven times. And then your wife's going to say, have you prayed about that today? Exactly. That's right. <laughs> That's what Sister Lindsay's good for. <laughs> yep, she will do it. Um, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 5. 1 Corinthians chapter number 5. So, so we've got a good basis here. Um, and, and, and we're not going to be able to pull everything out of 1 Corinthians 5. But 1 Corinthians 5 and 1 Corinthians 6 are, are really instructive. When you want to see how the church handles an issue. Okay. When you want to see how the church handles an issue. Now, a little bit of background. The Corinthian church was a mess, but aren't we all? But the Corinthian church had a special mess going on. They had open and unrepentant sin in the camp. You with me? Um, Achan, whenever Achan had uh, you know, sin in the camp, our story with Joshua from Sunday, it was hidden. Nobody knew about it but Achan. But here in the Corinthian church, everybody knew about it. Everybody knew about it. You, you ever seen an, a, an, a, an example where a pastor and a piano player or a deacon and a, you know, this a Sunday school teacher get together, right? Leave wives, get together, right? If the church doesn't do anything about it, that's the kind of issue we're talking about. That's the kind of issue we're talking about here. So when Paul's writing the Corinthian church, they have mega issues. In the whole book of Corinthians, he is straightening them out. But here in chapter 5, he's going to deal with an issue, and he's also going to deal with the same issue in the Second Corinthians letter. This issue is one of the main reasons he wrote the letter to the Corinthian church, because they had all these issues. So let's look in chapter 5. Again, we're not going to be able to pull all of this out. Look in verse number 1. It is reported commonly, that's openly, and everybody knows about it, that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. And when he's talking about the Gentiles there, he's talking about people out of covenant with God, okay? That's who he's talking about. And and so he's saying, you guys are allowing it's open, it's common. That means everybody knows about it. You guys are allowing things to happen inside the church that people that are lost at the bar don't even allow. That's basically what he's saying. You guys are allowing and everybody knows about it. When everybody talks about that church at first the first church of Corinth, they know everybody in the town knows what's going on in the doors. And y'all are doing stuff they wouldn't even dare do at the bar. That's serious. That's serious. And here's something, right? Here's something, a theme I want you to catch in this. I want you to catch a theme. I want you to notice a contrast between the way the apostle Paul, who's the apostle to the church, the apostle to the Gentiles, I want you to see a contrast between him and pastors today. I want you to see this, and anytime you get on Facebook or Twitter or whatever you get on and you start preaching righteousness, somebody's gonna come on you. just watch but but look at this verse two he said, not only you got this sin, right? One should have his father's wife now that most commentaries say that this this was a guy that was. Um, sleeping with his stepmother. That's what most commentaries say. Not actually his mother, but stepmother. That's what most commentaries say. Um, and you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he hath done this deed, might be taken away from among you. What is he saying? He said, you're acting like it's no big deal. You're, 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 you're too busy telling everybody, look at our beautiful church. Look at all of our programs, look at our choir, look at our this. You're puffed up and you're not mourning because you have open, blatant sin in the church. See, God wants to deal with issues that everybody else wants to stick a Band-Aid on. God wants to pull the Band-Aid off and minister healing, right? Right? The bomb in Gilead. Though our, though our sins were what? As scarlet, they'll be white as snow. That don't happen by covering it. It happens by giving it to God. Okay? Letting God minister healing in the wound. And so you see, you see the heart of Paul. He's saying you shouldn't be puffed up. You shouldn't be acting to look at all of our stuff. You should be saying... How could we let this happen? You should be mourning. You should be mourning. It's, again, if, something, if a church was in mourning because of a sin issue, everybody would be saying, I'm never going to that church, but that's actually a sign of a healthy church. It's the sign of a healthy church, okay? All right, verse 3. Now, here I want you to start seeing this contrast before we get into this. For verily, as absent in the body, but present in the spirit, for I verily, as absent in the body, but present in the spirit, have judged already as though I were present concerning him that has so done this deed. Now, don't judge me. You got no right to judge me. Well, according to the Apostle Paul, he did have the right to judge some folks because of their deeds, right? He did not judge and say this person's going to hell, but he said this person's not right. I've already judged. I don't he didn't even need to come and talk to anybody. Well, I need to go. I've already judged. Why? Because it was common. Everybody knew about it. So this is different than when somebody's gossiping about you. Because if somebody's gossiping about you that other person that heard it is going to slip up and tell you so it's a private kind of an issue this is an open issue where everybody knows about it okay so it's a little bit different how do you handle it he says i've already judged it it's not right it's not right well watch this in verse uh four in the name of our lord jesus christ when you are gathered together and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does he say? Tell him to take it to the altar. Does he say tell him to take it to the altar? No. He says, deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now we're going to halt right there for a second. What does this mean? Does this mean that Paul wants his body to be destroyed? Is that what that means, guys? Okay, look here. This is what he's doing. If this guy is in open, blatant, unrepentant sin, you're going to bring him up to the church just like we saw in Matthew 18. We're going to skip some steps because everybody knows about it. This is common. Everybody knows, right? And what are you going to do? You're going to deliver them to Satan. What does that mean? You're going to put them, you'll see later, you're going to put them out of the church. What does that do? When he's talking about destroying the flesh, he means putting them in check, putting them in their place, embarrassing them, causing them to feel conviction, right? Saying, look, this is not going to be tolerated in the church. This is the church of the living Christ. You're going to see in a minute, he's, he's our Passover, This is unleavened bread. Our Savior who died on that cross has no leaven in him. And we're his body. We're to have no leaven in us. And this is not going to be allowed. And so they put him out of the fellowship. Okay? Now, to us, it has a different context. Because if we put him out of the fellowship here, they're going to go 200 yards right there to that church. And say, hey, I've got a talent, I've got a gift, let me play the drums. And they're gonna go right up into leadership. Where back then, if you got put out of the church and you wanted to go to church somewhere else, it wasn't happening. It wasn't happening. Because there wasn't a church on every street corner, it was one church in each town. And they communicated. Back, maybe, you know, whenever I was younger, I remember if you were leaving a church, you had to get a a card, and and the pastor had to approve it. Before you joined another church, you either had to come there as a lost sinner or with a card of approval from your past pastor. That's the only way you could join their church. And that was whenever I was growing up. Where are we at now? Look where we at now, right? I I have witnessed this with my own two ugly eyes. I've seen this happen. I have seen somebody unrepentant about an issue. I, I won't go into all the details, but gossip, murmur, I mean, tear people down, slander them, confront them, and instead of repenting and changing Just, I'm out, and go change churches, and never skip a beat, and go right on into another ministry. Now, that's the kind of stuff you see in ministry. That's the kind of stuff you see in ministry, and, you know, that's a hard part, but we can only, we can only, we're only accountable for what we can do, right? Right? We're only accountable. We God is going to hold us accountable for doing it right by the Lord here, and so that's one of the things. And in your own homes and in your own relationships, it's, it's like with me. You know, there's certain things that you know, I I may go crazy one day, and y'all may have to throw me out of the church, but you can only handle you doing the right thing, right, and not compromising you every, every, um, every church is presented with opportunities to compromise. You know, this church would be probably four times as big as it, as it is right now. If, if I allowed compromise, I can't tell you how many times I've confronted an issue that I didn't want to do because I knew it was going to cause an issue. And I always do it in love. I always do it. You know, I never am mean. I never, none of that. But I'm not going to compromise. I got standards. And it's not my standards. I try to hold them to God's standards, right? But some people, they just, you know, and they're not going to do it. You know, one of the silliest ones, and I'll, I'll close them, and, and, and I'll, I'll let you speak. But one of the silliest ones that I've ever had, and I'm not going to name names, none of that kind of stuff. But one of, the, one of my things, one of my things is if you're going to be a leader in the church, that is a teacher, a worship leader on the worship team, you're going to be, you know, uh, a board elder, whatever, you're going to be something like that, be faithful in your attendance, right? Why? Because that's some crazy rule I have? No, because God honors Faithfulness. God, when God raises somebody up, he raises them up because they're faithful. God doesn't look for talent, right? He looks for availability. If you, if you make yourself available to God, God will use you. So I know that God honors faithfulness, but there's times that I've, I've had to stick to my guns. Uh, one time I had to tell uh, a worship team, Hey, if you can't make it to church, you can't sing anymore. And I even said, I'm not going to tell you how many services you have to attend, but you just need to start being faithful. And I'll tell you this. I got jumped, jumped. I got cornered in the office by a group, and it opened my eyes, right? Opened my eyes. But the thing is, is I know what God's standard is. And I know what God honors. Now, if I would have never said anything, church would be bigger. Right? Church would be bigger. Another person living in sin. I might suspect it, but once I know it, I've got a biblical duty to handle it. And when I know somebody's living in sin, and I lovingly, hey, is this true? I hope it's not. I'm sure it's not. Because, uh, but this, right? Well, that's not a way to grow the church. Not in the world's eyes. But God's looking for people to be faithful, right? One of my. Um, one of my uh, favorite guys to listen to and i don't have many uh that's alive is uh jim Simbola. he's uh the pastor of brooklyn uh tabernacle brooklyn tabernacle amazing church multiculture they got chinese japanese i mean you got every eth- ethnicity group in there but when he started there was about um about 25 people and his father-in-law was a pastor of many churches and his father-in-law put him in there said you're going to pastor this church so him and his wife go and they start pastoring this church of 25 people it's dead nobody's praising nobody's worshiping nobody's praying none of that stuff and it's one of those churches where you know when you're a member you have a vote kind of churches he said okay here's the deal if you're going to be a member of this church, we're not going to keep attendance on Sundays anymore because you had to be faithful to attend to vote. He said, we're going to start keeping attendance on Tuesday nights at our prayer meeting. So if you're going to be a faithful member of the church, you're going to have to come to prayer meeting in order to keep your membership. Well, you know, that church went from 25, he said, to like 10 or 11. Now that's going the wrong direction, right? But not in God's eyes. God's looking for faithfulness. And he wasn't going to compromise. So he held a standard. He held on it. People got offended. They left. They didn't want to handle it right. But you know what? That church is over 10,000 people today. And they still take attendance on Tuesday night prayer meetings. Church is over 10,000 people now. The The pastor's wife never went to school for music and any of that. But because they didn't have a Choir, she just started doing it. And they've won Grammy Awards for their music in the Christian thing. Unlearned. We perceive you're ignorant and unlearned, but that you've been with Jesus. And see, his wife was the same way. So it's amazing what God will do if we'll be faithful. And I want you to know before we close tonight that if you'll hold the line and hold the standard, God will honor that. You may be in situations in your life that aren't pleasant where you're trying to tell somebody a hard truth, right? Do it and do it in love, but hold the line. God will honor your faithfulness to him, right? Amen. God will honor your faithfulness to him. I know it's hard. There's times in my, I mean, I've cried over some of these things. It's just, it's hard, but we've got to do the right thing. We've got to do right by God. Because, you know, one day we're all going to stand before God. Whenever I stand before God, I'm not going to have you next to me. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to say, Did, didn't I do it? Come on, tell. God knows all. He sees all. And one day we're all going to stand before him one-on-one Amen. and be judged. And if you teach or you're in leadership or anything, you're going to get a harsher judgment. Everything I say to you, if I tell you something that's unbiblical, I'm going to get very harsh judgment for that very dangerous ground so you know my number one goal in life is to get to heaven and worship jesus that's my number one goal so as long as that's my number one goal you know i'm gonna do everything i can do to teach you exactly right but if that ever starts being my number two three or four goal all bets are off once i start loving lamborghinis more than jesus's face you're going to start, you understand what I'm saying? That's how, that, things change. You've got that, and that's why you follow Christ and not men. Amen. That's why Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So that's, you've got to hold people to that standard. So give you an opportunity, you want to say anything in closing? Any comments? Keep that standard. Huh? Have, has anybody in here ever been in that predicament where you've had to do the right thing and it's cost you? Huh? It's cost you. If you haven't, you will. <laughs> the, the opportunity will present you, pre- be presented to you will, where you will be challenged to do the right thing. It's always going to be easier to look the other way. It's always going to be easier. I've heard an illustration before, which is about our generation, but it's like, you know, if you're walking by an alley and you see somebody, an old lady getting beaten and robbed, our generation keeps walking, right? It's not my problem. I don't know what to do. But God calls us to do the right thing. God calls us to come to the aid of those who are in danger. God calls us to action, to love. Love doesn't walk by. Love helps. Amen? Love gives its life for others. Well, if I stop and help, maybe they got a gun. Well, you know what? If you're right with the Lord, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. If God be for you, who can be against you? You know? And so we've got to stop living in fear of what may happen and start reacting and doing things that what we know is right. What we know is the right thing to do. So and everybody has those issues. Everybody does. So Amen. Any comments or questions? Come on, y'all. I figured y'all would be doing a lot of questions and comments tonight. Nobody? Okay. Well, um, here's the thing. I, um, when we come back, we're going to stay in 1 Corinthians 5, and we probably won't make it out of it. I'll tell you that right now. Um, because it gets, it, it, from this point, it just goes deeper and deeper and deeper. So we're going to get into some very heavy stuff whenever we come back um, next Wednesday night, Lord willing. Yeah, next Wednesday night, Lord willing. And. Um, the, the thing I want you to be thinking on and I want you to challenge yourself is, is to handle issues the right way. All right? Don't put your head in the sand. Don't put your head in the sand. That's, that's a very quick way that the fire of God will be extinguished in your life. You see, it, it, it's, uh, it, if, if you've ever um, experienced this, you know, compromise or offense, if you look the other way, in other words, pretending you didn't see it, hear it, know about it, the fire will diminish because you've not done the right thing. But as long as you're walking with God, the fire will continue to burn. And that's one of the challenges that I want to leave you with is to do the right thing no matter the cost. Do the right thing no matter the cost. All right, well, we're going to close right there, but we'll pick back up in 1 Corinthians 5. Let me make a note right here that we stopped We stopped in verse number five, okay? This is where we'll start at. Amen. Well, we're going to close with a word of prayer. Um, I'm going to do just a little bit different tonight. Um, What we're going to do is instead of praying over each one of these things, we do that on Monday night as well. (laughs) So we're going to pray over these on Monday night, but we're going to lift them all up as one. Okay, um, but um, if you come to Monday night prayer, you get a breakdown of all of this on a sheet of paper. Um, so Monday night prayer, come for this. But we're going to close in prayer. Hey, we're going to close in prayer uh, with praying over these issues and First Baptist Bozier. That's the church that had the building catch on fire. I'm sure they're going to be okay. I'm sure they're going to be okay. But like I said earlier, Any time an issue arises, the enemy comes in. And like I said, one of my my favorite pastors was talking about that. He said, any time you get four or five people in a living room, they decide to start a church, the enemy's going to come, and he's going to start planting tares right away, right in the middle. Because they're going to walk away and say, well, I thought I was going to be the pastor, right? I thought I was going to be the song. I mean, just immediately. So Look at... Go again and look at Mark chapter 4. When the word of God is sown, immediately the enemy comes to take the seed. Even tonight, I'm teaching you this. I'm teaching you this. this, this I'm, I'm giving you word of God. And immediately the enemy's going to come and try to take it out of your heart. That's why I always pray for the anointing to preach and teach and for our anointing on our hearts that we can receive on good ground. Amen. All right, let's stand up. We're going to dismiss with a word of prayer.